Digital Marketing Radio, episode 162, Cross-Channel Marketing Management. DigitalMarketingRadio.com Digital Marketing Radio is part of the 3B Podcast Network, UK casters talking business growth. Find out more over at 3BPN.com. The Big Interview with David Bain. I'm David Bain and today I'm joined by someone who spends most of his time in the field talking with industry leaders, customers and prospects to understand their marketing challenges. He's a product marketing manager for Adobe Campaign. Welcome to DMR, Ben Tepfler. Well, thank you so much for having me, David. Oh, thanks for joining me, uh, Ben. Well, you can find Ben over at Adobe's digital marketing blog, and I'll link to Ben's articles um, there over the sh- at the show notes at digitalmarketingradio.com. But um, Ben, so multi-channel or double down on one channel? What, what would you say is the most effective digital strategy nowadays? It's mm, a great question. I think the first thing to think about is um, what channels matter for you. And so I would say multi-channel marketing for sure. That's for most digital marketers, is it? I would say for most digital marketers, multi-channel. Yeah. And by the way, multi-channel, cross-channel, omni-channel, all mean about the same thing, from, at least from our standpoint, from my standpoint today. Okay, so we don't need to get our thesaurus out there. That's, right, uh, <laughs> exactly. Start from. Okay, um, so how many channels is multi-channel or is the average multi-channel then, would you say? Um, most, most of the people that we talk to are using at least two channels. Um, some on the upwards of three or four. Two is a good starting point, um, mainly because it lets you narrow down on what matters for your customers without thinking about all, all these different channels. For instance, I find a lot of people talk about social. They want to use the social channel, but they don't have a strategy behind it. They just want to do it because it seems like something they should do. Um, so most customers are starting with at least at least two channels. I'm glad you didn't say 20 or 30 or something like no, that. Because no, it's, it's It is still recommended by some people to to be everywhere. And it's just absolutely nuts. You, you can't physically do it. You can't at least do a good job at doing that. And right. that's obviously not going to be targeting your stuff to the, the right target audience as well, certainly. I completely agree. And I, I think that the most channels we see um, really focused on is maybe six really strong channels. And that's, um, and that's just because they're able to focus the strategy on those as well, instead of being everywhere all at once. Even if you do have like five or six different channels, you're not just going to be broadcasting the same information on all of those channels, are you? I, I suppose you could have a distinct content strategy for every one of those different channels. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I think every channel should have a bit of its own personality. But keep in mind that your brand should be the overall vision for all these different channels, right? So even if, you know, your social has a bit of a different feeling than your email marketing versus if I give a call to the call center, each can be a little bit different, but I should feel like as a consumer, I'm talking to the same brand, right? So maybe, you know, I think that when we talk to each other in conversations, we have our own personalities that differ depending if I'm talking to my colleagues or to my friends or to customers, but it's always me who's speaking, right? And making sure that that's the same for your brand. So what do you think of brand voice then? Um, you that's speaking and that's that's you as an individual. But mm-hmm. if you're working for a larger enterprise, you can't necessarily replicate that across um, right. everyone. So what are the, some of the best ways to actually ensure that the, the tone of voice is fairly consistent depending on who's speaking? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. Um, there's a few different ways. I think, I think you start with authenticity and in, in, um, making sure that the voice is, is true to 
you know, it's not, it doesn't feel like a robot talking. I think that that's the first, the first step that should be across any organization. Um, and then from a corporate level, provide guidelines to more local, regional, or um, different channel perspectives, right? So that if I'm a large company, I make sure that, you know, though the people in my bank may be having one-on-one conversations, that they're using the same sort of, um, the same sort of language across these different channels. And do you think one head of marketing can effectively be comfortable at knowing what is going across all these different platforms? Or do you think you need a distinct different head, ideally for um, every different outlet uh, for your content? I, I think that head of marketing absolutely needs to be um, involved and, vis- and every channel needs to be visible to, to him or to her. I don't think it's um, as much an option that we can have these different siloed directors anymore. And even if you do have a director of email and a head of mobile and social, for instance, which some companies do, your CMO or your head of marketing needs to be able to, at a quick glance, look at how things are performing across all these different channels. Have you any thoughts on how a prospective future head of digital should evolve a career path because mm. there are so many different um, facets to digital marketing. It's difficult to get experience, direct experience in every single area, certainly perhaps become before coming ahead of. Mm-hmm. Um, so what are your thoughts on that one? Um, I think that just like, you know, every company is going to have strengths in certain channels, right? So a lot of companies have a lot of strength in email. Same that the head of marketing should have the same thing. They should have expertise in a certain area, I think, um, but a willingness to understand other sections as well. So I think that we see CMOs who come from business schools, who come from email backgrounds, who come from um, more specific business strategy backgrounds. I think that actually the position of a head of marketing should um, be as channel agnostic as possible because that will allow them to understand these different touch points. So I think that to answer your question in terms of the career path, uh, we see that it looks very different. For, for different organizations. So I think that the I, what I, my recommendation would be to focus on um, the strengths of the business right now and understand the strengths and understand the weaknesses because that's more important than understanding a specific channel strategy. And in general, do you think marketers should be aiming at becoming more specialists in the future? Or do you think there's a more likely requirement to have a, a broad generalist marketer um, in mm. the future? It's an interesting question. Um, I think we're. I think for right now, we still need specialists and we still need generalists. Um, I would guess that in ten years, we'll see more generalists than specialists. Um, but I think generalists come from specialists, right? Th- those evolve. Uh, I think the best generalists are the ones who have a strong foundation, something, and then learn learn from there, right? But I think that you know, I think that the role, of, for instance, the email marketer, is going to change a lot in the next ten years. Right? I think we're going to see that um, email doesn't become as siloed and separate from other channels. We're already seeing it, and we're already seeing the role of email marketer um, changing in some organizations to being more digital marketing focused. It's almost like which came first, the chicken or egg, mm, the, the exactly. specialist or the journalist. Yeah, so. yeah exactly. I mean, you, you definitely still need both. Um, and I think you'll probably always need expertise in both. Uh, but from a specific role perspective, I think that you're going to see more and more Um, people who are responsible for more channels. So with regards to cross-channel campaign management, um, how would you say software and systems have changed over the last few years and how they're evolving at the moment? So we're seeing a lot more um, systems that support cross-channel. 
Um, traditionally, you would have uh, an email vendor and you would have a mobile vendor and you'd have a social vendor. Uh, and then you'd have this kind of maybe a startup that offers a set of APIs. And these are all separate, right? Not even thinking about analytics into that whole mix. Um, and what we're seeing more and more is companies that offer um, all of these things to one extent or another. Um, so tools are consolidating uh, and a single tool is becoming more powerful to, to, um, to generate those cross-channel experiences. Do you think that is also going to be the case for small businesses or are you talking from an enterprise level client at the moment? So I think at this point I'm talking about enterprise, but I think it's a, it's a trend that is going to be seen across industries and across, um, across business sizes. Because I think you look at some smaller, um, smaller medium-sized businesses, um, they have, they are still, they're still focusing on the same things. They're focusing on email, they're focusing on social, they're focusing on mobile. Um, and there's still a little bit of um, separation in terms of each of the vendors that offer those. But we're seeing more and more um, companies that start off with one channel go to multi-channel, right? So you see a lot of companies that start or have a history in email, for instance, and then they start to branch into mobile and social. That's really common. Um, so I think you're going to see more of that in, in the future as well. So one of the first um, types of digital marketing you mentioned was email marketing. Is email mm -hmm. marketing the most important for the majority of companies at the moment? And how is the, the future popularity of email as you see it? Yeah, so it's, it's interesting because email is one of the digital channels that's been around the longest. Um, and I think we sometimes think it's fatigued, but in reality, it still has the highest um, engagement across different channels. So, so people are more likely to engage with email, um, specifically emails that they expect, right? So like a purchase confirmation or I forgot my password email or things like that. Uh, we see really high um, engagement rates. And not only that, but it's actually um, much more affordable and there's a great revenue tied to email. So it costs less to send emails and there's more revenue that's generated from it. So to answer your question, yes, um, email is still one of the most important channels. Most of at least the customers and prospects I talk to uh, that we talk to are, are using email. Um, and I think we're just going to continue to see that grow. It's, it's, uh, it's definitely an important channel. So um, in general, what would you say are a few examples of like bad examples of email and a few good examples mm -hmm. of email? What are the, sure. the right ways to be doing it at the moment? I'm not going to name any names here, but I'll give you, I'll give oh. you a few examples. <laughs> uh, so, so a bad example is um, a disconnect between a promotional email and a transactional email, right? So, you know, when you make a purchase, you get an email confirmation right away. Mm. Uh, the reality is that, you know, from a consumer, we think about email as one channel. I think about my inbox. That's all I care about. But for a lot of companies, um, transactional data and marketing data are actually separate. So a bad example will happen is I always buy uh, tickets to, to concerts as soon as they go on sale because I want, I want the best seat. I don't want it to sell out. I buy it the minute it goes on sale. Then the next week, I will often get an email reminding me to buy tickets to a concert, right? And the reality the is that that's that you've already the same bought concert for, that yeah. I already bought tickets for, exactly. Uh, and that's actually really common across industries because companies aren't looking at the customer across transactional and marketing data together. Mm. So that's um, an example of, I say, a bad, bad email experience. Okay. Um, a good one, I would say, is one that uses uh, a lot of personalization um, throughout. So starting with the subject line, personalizing the content, you know, put my first name in the subject line of an email. That um, often increases the open rate of emails. And then when I open that email, I don't want to see a long email with tons and tons of content that's not relevant to me. Um, I'll click delete. 
um, or, or even worse, I'll mark as spam. So uh, a really great email, I think, about some, um, about some loyalty programs I'm part of for airlines or hotels um, or even credit cards um, that provide me my point status or the status to get to the next level directly within an email. Right? And they put offers in that email that are actually really relevant to me. Right? So I see offers that are local to me in San Francisco, even though you may see one that's you know, based in, in the UK. Right? So I think the more personalization you can add, the better. Um, and and that's, that's, that we see more success in emails that have more personalization. And is there still quite a, an issue with initial transactional emails and um, perhaps um, email marketing emails going to spam or promotions okay. folders, for example, in, in, in Gmail? And if so, do you actually try and educate the consumer to, to deal with that initially so that subsequent emails don't do, do that? Exactly. Yeah. And so there's, there's a few processes that we do for that. The first is making sure um, that content isn't marked as spam. And so there's a few things we can do for that. For instance, uh, make it really easy for someone to change their preferences or to opt out completely. Um, one of the things that we see is if it's very hard to unsubscribe from email, if it's easier to just hit mark as spam, people will do it. Um, and that ends up having a, creating a bad reputation uh, uh, for, your, for your company as a sender. So now more and more of your emails will go to spam. So we try to educate marketers that preference centers are absolutely key um, to, to keeping clean email lists. And um, again, with regards to campaign management, mm -hmm. you see Facebook ads and other platforms getting quite progressive and uh, offering high quality native platforms to mm -hmm. manage their own campaigns. Are there pros to managing campaigns directly um, in the platforms provided by these ad sellers? Or is there more of a benefit generally to actually use a bit of software that will collate everything together from different platforms? Yeah, um, I, I'm, I think that we're on the side of generally one platform for all of your different tools. And the reason for that is because you're not, um, they're not separate at least, right? You can easily look at your advertising spending compared to your email marketing spending in one spot. Um, you can easily um, attribute these in reporting. At the same time, more and more platforms um, open up certain APIs and capabilities and others don't. Right. And so I think it's it's a combination of, of two sides of things is right is to use a platform that connects your channels when possible, um, but also understand limitations that thing that companies like Facebook provide. Um, and so that there is an advantage to using just Facebook for advertising um, when um, you need the capabilities that are native to that tool. One thing that I heard from a couple of people, I believe, is that if you use a third party platform, for example, like Buffer, um, mm -hmm. to send out your, 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 your Facebook updates or your, your Facebook posts, then Facebook might be more likely um, not to give you as much organic reach as if you actually posted natively. Um, have, have you heard similar kind of things at all? And what are your thoughts on that? Oh, that's, I'm, I'm actually not familiar with that, but that's interesting. It, it might it might make sense, and obviously yeah. it's it's down to the quality of the content and the interaction, and there are so many different parts of that algorithm there as well. Right. But um, and, it, and they're constantly changing that algorithm as well, which is one of the things that we try to stay on top of. Um, but it is always changing. Okay, well, um, we talked about email marketing as a as a as a great form um, of effective marketing at the moment. And yeah. um, what would you say are like two or three other forms of digital marketing at the moment, platforms or um, ways to syndicate what you do that are exceptionally effective for a lot of businesses that you, you're talking to mm -hmm. at the moment? Um, mobile, for sure, 
And mobile, I mean, that's in a broad spectrum. It could be SMS text messaging. It could be mobile push notifications. Um, it could just be a website that looks really good on your mobile device. Um, it's absolutely important. We see more and more interactions and purchases and email opens and every kind of digital interaction. We see more and more of it is happening on mobile year after year. So I think that the mobile channel as a whole is super important. And then I think the other thing that, I'm seeing, that we're seeing more and more of is capabilities of, to integrate with new devices and tools, um, things like a smart TV. Right? If you're an entertainment company, being able to integrate with a TV directly or an Xbox, or if you're a car company, to be able to integrate into the interface of a car. Um, and, and, and people are already thinking ahead of the curve, right? So we need to be able to provide for them ahead of the curve. So I was having a conversation uh, with someone recently based in Japan, and they were talking about integrating into in-store robots, uh, these little robots that they have in their branches, where they want to say, hey, well, is, can this robot, when it when it recognizes me, can it connect back to my digital marketing strategy? Um, so, I have, so you have mobile and then you have this kind of connected devices piece that actually is in a lot of ways bridging online and offline together. I mean, from, from an ROI perspective, um, mm-hmm. something like you, you mentioned SMS there, would most businesses potentially uh, increase their revenue significantly by communicating with people via SMS as well? Or is there just maybe specialist examples that you can think of at the moment that um, are doing very effectively by by messaging via SMS? You know, SMS is an interesting one because um, there is often a higher cost associated per message. Um, so we do see SMS is really successful when it's used in the right way, right? And so instead of sending a batch and blast of texts, right, um, let's a user opt into text messaging and say this is specifically what I'm looking for. Right, say that I will respond more likely on SMS, um, and they're and send it only to those people, right? As opposed to send it to everyone, because then you're lowering your costs to to send it out, and you're increasing your revenue in return because you're only targeting the people who are likely and have a history of engagement. That's a great thought there, a great great tip there, because um, not everyone likes every platform. Exactly. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so some people could love Snapchat and um, if, if they pick that as their preferred platform, then perhaps yeah. you can communicate with them. And, and I mentioned preference centers before and preference centers should be a cross channel experience themselves. Right. So in that preference center, you should, you should be able to say, I want to receive less emails. I or I want to receive emails about this, but also in that same preference center, be able to say, I'd actually prefer SMS, you know, or I'd like to opt into SMS instead of email, right? That's, so the preference center should be something that is a cross-channel experience. Well, coming up, we're going to be learning about the one piece of software that Ben couldn't live without. But first of all, I'd like to mention a cracking webinar that I'm going to be hosting soon. It's called the 26-Week Digital Marketing Plan Bootcamp. And I'm going to be joined by Mark Asquith, Lucas Zelezny, and Johnny Ross. So all previous digital marketing radio interviewees to brainstorm digital marketing strategies for one lucky business. And to find out more about that and to register to attend, go to 26weekplan.com slash bootcamp. So just uh, 26weekplan.com slash bootcamp. But let's segue into the second section of our discussions that focuses on Ben's thoughts on where digital marketing has been and where it's heading. So starting off with... Software I couldn't live without. So Ben, what software do you currently use in your business that if someone took away from you, it would significantly impact your marketing success? Let me ask you this, and as a return question before I answer, uh, is software count as an app as well? Yes, absolutely. I, I can't live without um, I, not just my email, um, but uh, my whole suite of um, like Microsoft tools 
on, on mobile devices. Um, being able to review PowerPoints in real time, edit documents, um, that kind of on-the-go solution for things, I think is really key um, for, for businesses. Specifically, something that we're using or that I use a lot for business is the ability to you know, review content and edit content no matter where I am. So what's your mobile platform of choice? Personally, it's iOS. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, I think from a business standpoint, that's that would be what I can't I can't live without. Right? Is the ability that I don't need to be on my computer to be able to create to be able to create content and be able to um, really respond to things besides you know just saying sending email that at the bottom says sent from my iPhone. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You know? It's it's gone from non-existing to impossible to live without in in less than ten years. Right. And, and even in, the, I mean, at least for the strategies I see in the past year, at least, I mean, we've gone from being able to being able to say, I'll get to this when I'm back at my computer um, to saying, I'll get this back in a few minutes because I can look at it right now and, and it'll look good on my mobile device. And that's what, you know, I think that's why mobile strategy is also so important. And whoever you're actually dealing with don't even know the fact that you're out of the office and dealing with it on your exactly. mobile device. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, well, here's a slightly more challenging question, and that is oh what piece of software don't you use, but you've heard good things about, and you mm. intend to try at some point in the near future? That's a good, that's a good one. Um, I, don't, I don't use a lot of like Facebook, honestly. Um, I have it, but I don't um, engage with it a lot. Um, and I find that that's because a lot of companies are just kind of pushing generic messages out there. Um, so I'd like to focus on how to... Um, sort through the the sea of content on Facebook better. So you're hoping that some Facebook management platform for your own personal use is going to come along. So it's not a piece right. of software that exists at the moment. It's something that you're hoping for. Right. Let me think, I mean, from a, from a more business standpoint, um, I don't know. I don't think I'm using Excel enough. <laughs> but do, do you use um, Google's um, on, online spreadsheet tools or you, you still prefer Excel? Uh my experience, I prefer Excel because uh, I can get, well, now maybe it's because I haven't tried the Google tools enough. Um, but last time I tried things like Google Do- um, Google Sheets, um, I wasn't able to do the, as many formulas as I may have wanted directly in Excel. Um, but absolutely from a collaborative, com- collaboration standpoint, um, Google, tools like Google Docs are absolutely critical. A lot of SEOs absolutely love Excel still. And yeah. even though perhaps they've got access to software platforms that cost thousands of pounds dollars per month, mm-hmm. they still will they stick with Excel for a lot of computations. Yeah, and I, I think that that's also a need-based thing, right? If you you know, do you really need all those features? You have to, you know, start with the free option and then see what you really need. Great. Okay. Well, let's move on to. I wish I would have. So I'd like you to look back in the very first day that you're involved in trying to market a business online. What didn't you do so well? What do you wish that you would have done differently? Hmm. I don't think that we thought about um, the future enough. Um, or I think we did one of two extremes is either thought too much about the future at a high vision level or not enough about it. Um, and since we focused too much on day-to-day marketing activities as opposed to, you know, strategic goals like where we'll be a year from now, or we thought about um, here's where the industry is headed and we need to catch, we need to be ahead of the game. But again, without a um, strategic standpoint, right? So it was either uh, I was doing too much day-to-day marketing or I was thinking too much at a high level about vision 
10 years in the future, as opposed to, you know, tactical milestones. So how far into the future is a good length of time to be looking? Um, at least two or three years. Um, okay. For every but I think business? That also, but I think it depends on the business. It depends on the industry. Um, and at that, I think at the year, at, at a one year mark, you should have really concrete goals about where you want to be. And then every year after that should be a little more visionary, right? Here's where we want to go and here's how we're directing ourselves in that direction. But we also realize that the industry could change, new competitors may arise, um, acquisitions could happen, right? And so look at like a two to three year plan, but at a one year level, be very strategic and tactical. Got you. Okay, great advice. Thank you. The this or that round. So this is the quick response round. Ten yes. quick questions. Just two rows here. Okay. Try not to think about the answer too much. Okay. And you're only allowed to say the word both on one occasion. Ooh. Ready okay. to go? I'm ready. Let's do it. Email or Twitter? Email. Audio or video? Video. Affiliates or display advertising? Display. Facebook or Google Plus? Facebook. Online press releases or one-on-one relations? One-on-one relations. Paid search or SEO? SEO. Email contact form or telephone number? Email contact form. Website or app? App. Social subscriber or email subscriber? Email subscriber. And local marketing or global marketing? Both. (laughs) You heard you held your both out for the the right one there. Well, I was actually going to go back. I was going to use my both. I realized I wanted to use my both for the PR one. Yes, yeah, because he certainly paused most strongly for that one. Online press releases are one of my relations. I kind of think that connects back to the local and global, though, as well. Same idea, at least when I'm thinking about it, in terms of, you know, personalized, personalized local relations, but also, you know, we want everyone to know about this at the same time. So you're viewing online press releases as combine, combining that with blogger outreach and personal relationships then? I think you need both, yeah. I, didn't, I, I, you know, I, I know I was only allowed one both, but um, yes, right? Because I think you see, because I think that you know, when bloggers, they want something to refer back to, or even people who you're not targeting directly can still access that online press release. And after your lack of personal interaction on Facebook, I was wondering if we were going to get the first Google Plus over Facebook for a long no, time. No, no. Hey, that was, that was my personal usage. I mean, we still see Facebook is very successful. Um, but my guess is you get that a lot. Yes, yeah, absolutely. So much so, I really need to be changing that question, I think. <laughs> <laughs> that $10,000 question. So if I was to give you $10,000 and you had to yeah. spend it over the next few days on a single thing to grow your business or our business, what would you spend it on and how would you measure success? So this is, so it's not a product, it's a strategy? It's to promote a product or a service, mm-hmm. but um, maybe just what initially comes to mind is something that um, you think can drive significant traffic that is likely to convert. Mm. Um, I would focus my connecting my online strategy with, my, with offline, whether that is like augmented reality um, or iBeacons or geofences, I would focus on that strategy. So I, I'd say mobile, but not the mobile as a bridge between online and offline. And so I would invest um, partially in, in that right now. And then I would, um, 
I'd like to save a little if I could uh, for future investment as well. Because uh, that's the concept of, you know, I don't want to spend it all right now because I'm not, I can only predict what's going to happen in six months or a year. I need to see where the industry trend is going to be um, to invest the rest of it. I mean, I, I mean, I guess I could spend it all right now on, on connecting those things. So what you're saying is for a lot, a lot of businesses, a lot of local businesses uh, anyway, it's, it's very important to know where people are physically and then yes. tailor your marketing according to that. Yes, absolutely. I think so. I think that we see more and more and more of that. Um, even if you are a, a solely online business, is it possible to understand, you know, what demographics of people are coming to your website? You know, what are their offline behaviors look like? Um, because even online marketing should be and often is influenced by offline behavior. Great. Okay. Well, that just takes us on to my number one takeaway. So Ben, you've offered a lot of great advice in our conversation, but what would you say is the number one takeaway? What's the single most important step that our listeners need to take away and implement in their businesses? Is that I would say that cross channel is absolutely key. However, um, you need to think about the strategy behind it and why you're doing it as well. Um, don't just send out emails because um, everyone is doing it. Same thing with social or mobile. Um, think about the channels that your consumers are already engaged with. And then think about your strategy moving forward and what channels you want to include. So don't dive in um, headfirst into a sea of 30 or six even channels, right? Think about strategically, where am I now? Where do I want to go? And understand that one channel not only fits all businesses, but not only fits all individuals that you're marketing to. Um, so have different e- so have different cross-channel experiences for each individual. So maybe for you, David, it's a pure email experience. For me, it's more about SMS. Um, think about those different combinations um, and have a strategy behind your channels. Wonderful. Well, that takes us to the end of our discussion today. So thank you so much for your time and your advice. What's the best way for our audience or listener to find out more about you and what you do? Absolutely. Uh, check out uh, my blog at, um, I think it's adobe.com. Oh, this is awkward. Exactly. It was, it was, it was a longish link. Uh, so, so that's why I said at the beginning, what, what I'll do is I'll incorporate the link uh, in, the, in, the, in the show incorporate notes. Incorporate the at, link. Uh, at, 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 well, incorporate uh, the links in the, in the show notes. Adobe.com slash blog. Blogs.adobe.com backslash digital marketing. Okay. Okay. That's that's then, wonderful. <laughs> we got there. A little bit of help from a friend. So you, you got there. Uh, yeah, a little help over here. <laughs> <laughs> Superb stuff. So thanks to Ben and thank you, dear listener, too. If you enjoyed what Ben shared today, here's what you can do. Tell us what you think. So an iTunes review is always good, and I might even read it out in a future episode if you do that. And if Twitter's your thing, at David Bain is my handle. So maybe maybe it's your, it's your thoughts on. Uh, Ben's lack of knowledge of his own uh, blog URL? <laughs> no. <laughs> maybe it's your thoughts on some of the wonderful things that he shared today. Um, whatever it is, maybe it's a, a future um, episode um, idea, uh, whatever it is, it'd be good to hear from you. So um, until we meet again, uh, be fantabulous and do one thing that scares you. Adios. <laughs> Thanks again, Ben. Great episode. Thank you.